Hey everyone, this is Derek Stone. And this is Conrad Geringer. And you're listening to the Working Triathlete Podcast. We know this is a big time of year when a lot of people reevaluate what they want to accomplish in the next year from personal goals to, you know, New Year's resolutions and things like that. But we wanted to take a moment today and discuss what goal setting should look like as an athlete, you know, and, and you can certainly apply it to other parts of your life as well. Recently, you know, Conrad sent an email out to our core group about setting smart goals, which if you've ever worked in any type of corporate environment, I'm sure you've learned about smart goals in some capacity, but I'll have him run you through that. And then uh, we'll talk about different types of goals as well. Obviously goal setting is incredibly important as triathletes. We have goals, typically they're time-based or performance-based that's excellent. But we published an article on the Working Triathlete website, which you should go and check out. It goes into the concept of setting SMART goals. And basically, SMART is an acronym. It is uh, basically a prescription on how to set appropriate goals. And it's, it's actually pretty important to set a certain type of goal, because if, if it's a vague goal, you will not be able to really measure progress. And you want to set an appropriate goal relative to your your situation as well, i.e. your time availability and, and your resources. Looping back to the concept of SMART goals. So SMART S stands for specific. You need to establish exactly what you want to do, how fast you want to go, what fitness metrics you want to achieve. The M stands for measurable. You have to have the ability to track progress there has to be a point at, at which you know, you know that you actually realized the goal. The A stands for achievable. By that, I mean that the, the goal has to be realistic in the context of your life responsibility and resources. So you can't just pick this pie-in-the-sky goal of, of doing something incredible without knowing exactly what it takes to accomplish it. And you have to be realistic with yourself. You could pretty much do anything you want to do in this world, but you can't do everything. If your goal is to, for example, become a professional triathlete, obviously it needs to be pretty much the main focus in your life. It's, it's really difficult to be competitive. If you're working 60 hours a week, it, it's very unlikely that you'll be a competitive pro at that level. So it's important to understand what your life looks like and your goal has to be within the context of that situation. And then the R stands for relevant. The goal has to be relevant to you. You need a strong why for why you're, you're chasing this goal. It loops back to, to desire. If, if you would like to qualify for Kona, for example, okay, that, that's, that's excellent. But unless you really understand why you want to do that, you're, you're not going to get up every morning and, and put in the work. And lastly, the T, the goal has to be timely. So it needs a deadline. Typically, that's a race deadline. So you, know, you're, you signed up for a race and you're aiming to uh, achieve a certain time. Or maybe you're just, you just want to finish the race. Maybe it's your first time Ironman athlete and you just want to get to the, the finish line there. But by, by thinking about a goal in this way, it's going to enable you to achieve clarity on why you are pursuing the goal. You're going to 
have the ability to implement a process for for achieving it with certain benchmarks along the way. And it's it's palpable and tangible. It isn't a vague sort of like, oh, well, I, I want to enjoy training. You know, that's an excellent aim. However, I wouldn't classify that as a smart goal necessarily. It's a good goal, but I wouldn't put this in the category of, of smart goals because that's not going to get you out of the door every day. And, you know, that isn't measurable. That's that's the basic gist on smart goals. And like Derek said, the concept of smart goals, it is very common in the uh, business world, the corporate world, but you can apply it to triathlon training and racing as well. And again, check out the article on the Working Triathlete website where we go into detail on this. So a couple of things with that too, you mentioned, you know, having benchmarks. So if you create a smart goal, let's say, for example, you're an athlete that's gone 450 in a half Ironman and you set a goal of going 430 at a race in October, that would be a smart goal. However, you want to create, you know, a little micro goals leading up to that race to one, hold you accountable, but to measure your progress as well. So if you set a goal of reaching that 430 benchmark, what do you need to do from an FTP standpoint or threshold standpoint? What do other things look like as well? And, you know, one thing I always, I've always done too, is created different types of goals. So there's several different goals, goal types. Um, you have process goals, you know, for example, creating habits, maybe it's, you're going to go to bed every night at nine o'clock and wake up at five o'clock. That way you have a consistent routine. Um, there's performance goals, which would fall in the category. Like I want to hit an FTP of 350. That would be a performance standard. And then there's outcome goals, which a lot of us have as well in triathlon. Um, it might be winning a race or, um, it might be qualifying for the world championships or something similar to that. As we look into the 2022 year, think about what you want to accomplish. Think about your why, as Conrad mentioned, and and think about what you're going to surround yourself with or who you're going to surround yourself with to help you get there. And one thing too, is if you write your goals down and have it in a place where it's visible, you are going to be more likely to work towards that goal because you're, you're reminded daily to reach towards that. Exactly. And just to hone in on this. So, so this concept of goal setting is nice and it, it, you can use the the smart acronym to hone in on a goal that that makes sense but it it really comes down to you can't just write down your goal and look at it and expect to achieve it you know it, like Derek was talking about having benchmarks and mini goals in the, the checkpoints really that you need to achieve in as you build up towards your overall large goal. And all of that is important. And, and that goes back to the process. It's like in triathlon, especially you really have to focus on the process and learn to love the process or tolerate it or, or find things that you do like about it. Otherwise you're not going to reach a high level in triathlon. And that isn't to say you have to figure out how to enjoy every single workout. I mean, I know for a fact that some of the top athletes we work with, they don't really like working out that much. Everybody would rather kind of lay around and, uh, you know, watch Netflix or, or peruse the internet, but there isn't a whole lot of meaning in that one. You have to really focus on the process and, and commit yourself to that and really understand what that means. So, so that's the first point. And then the, the, the second point is this concept of why, which you just said, and this concept of relevance and the goal being relevant. 
and, and you really have to, I think, in my opinion, really develop a good, solid reason for, for chasing a triathlon goal. And I think you have to relate it to something larger than a race because, you know, just going really fast in a race, that's, that's awesome. And maybe you do that to impress people, but it is, you have to have a bigger why than that. Cause that's not going to get you out of the door each day. It always has to loop back to identity. And I don't mean that you want triathlon to define you. I mean, what type of person goes after this goal and achieves it? It's like, there are many dimensions to that person that that's admirable. This person had the self-discipline to, to get out the door every day and put in the work. You know, they had the discipline to make the right choices when it comes to nutrition, eating both enough and also making healthy choices on that front. So really, it's almost like a race result is an encapsulation of one's character. So if you look at it like that, maybe that increases the relevance of the goal to you. And having that type of perspective, I think, is truly what separates the athletes who, are, who make the time to train and the athletes who actually become successful. That doesn't mean that to be successful or, or, or to feel that you have to go really fast. Again, it's all relative to one's life situation, time availability, et cetera. But if you make a commitment to yourself to achieve a certain SMART goal, that, that's really, at the end of the day, all that matters. Derek, you know the famous psychological test, uh, the marshmallow experiment in psychology? Yes. Refresh my memory though. That, the iconic one, I think it occurred back in the 1960s. And the way that was structured is children, I think they were toddlers, were brought into a room. A marshmallow was put in front of them. They uh, were told that if they waited for a certain amount of time, that they would get two marshmallows. So basically it was about delayed gratification. So if, if the toddler had the ability or the self-discipline to wait, then they would get two marshmallows. And I think it was portrayed to them that waiting was actually a good thing. At any point, they could just eat the one marshmallow and that was it. The, uh, the toddlers who were able to wait and get two marshmallows, they had more success in life with success being measured in things like career achievement, test scores, things like that. And, and it was uncanny. Uh, the correlation was, was really strong. So that's the, the famous one. However, there was another study that was done, I think in 2018, where they did this in a similar way, but they framed it so that the toddlers were on a team, like either the green team or the red team. And they basically would say, okay, you're on the green team. People on the green team, you know, they, they're good at waiting and, and they have the discipline to, to wait and they end up always getting the, the two marshmallows or whatever it is. When kids were told that, they, they would always wait. So, so if you think that you're associated with a group or maybe it's a, it's a demographic or it's a social network that is more disciplined or that is willing to sacrifice you know, immediate pleasure or gratification for more long-term gratification that's greater or higher in some way, you will internalize that. You internalize your affiliation with this, this more disciplined group and you will just make your decisions will be governed with a long-term sort of outlook and you're going to have the ability to achieve more. So we can tie that back to this concept of 
joining maybe a training group or literally just identifying yourself as somebody who achieves their goals or pursues a goal and puts in the work to achieve a good result. And in triathlon, obviously that is generally race goals, i.e. getting as fast as you can, because at least that's measurable, but you know, there are other goals in there, but it, it goes back to this identity thing. It's like athletes who do triathlon, they tend to be more successful in life also because of kind of what it takes to excel. Identity capital begets identity capital. I think that's the, the main thing. Really latching onto that as motivation for, for putting in the work each day. I think that that's important. And, and that's sort of the secret to actually being consistent when it comes to training and uh, reaching a higher level. Yeah, that's a great point. And you, you mentioned briefly about having the others around you. If, if you're in a group or a core group, you are the sum or the average of the people around you. And if you're in a group or you're in a training training group that shows up at a certain time every day or several times a week, you're going to be more likely to show up as well and execute the task at hand. If you're kind of, you know, have a dichotomy of your own schedule and, and you're not associating with a group at all, it might be more challenging to stay motivated. It is harder to stay disciplined on your own. So there is power in numbers, you know, just like you mentioned, if, if the group knows they're going to be rewarded with waiting it's the same thing. If you're with a group of athletes that you're all competing at the same race, maybe you're making all better choices together. You know, for example, maybe you're cutting back on alcohol for, you know, the month of January, for example, and that is you're delaying the reward. Right. Exactly. You want to make achieving your goals as easy as possible. So, <laughs> you know, you want to eliminate the factors that cause you to divert from the path towards your goal, you know? So part of that is like you said, if we think about making it easier, having a, a training group is, is excellent. Immersing yourself in a good, positive environment conducive to achieving your goal is, is good. Having things like an indoor trainer, easy access to that is good. Planning out your day so that you, you time block the times that you're actually going to exercise and get in training you want to eliminate any possibility of straying. And to that point, you also want to be realistic with yourself too. And you want to set yourself up for success. If you're working 80 hours a week, it's likely that a 20 hour per week plan is not going to be uh, possible. So scale it back maybe focus on getting in a solid eight hours a week, but structure that well and make the most out of training when you are training, you, you need to set yourself up for success. And, and that goes, ties back to the SMART goal. You know, the goal has to be achievable uh, in the context of your life responsibilities and resources. It is a very good idea to identify the obstacles or the things that cause you to miss workouts and then just figure out how to eliminate those. It's, it's pretty easy, but I, I do think that it comes back to, to structure and in my opinion, I know you like working out in the morning. I mean, do you think that it's important for athletes to, to always get a workout in kind of first thing? That's a great question. I don't know if it's the most important thing. I'm a believer in doing like the hardest task of the day first thing. But I also think for me personally, it kind of jumpstarts my day too. It gets me in my mind going in the right direction. Um, I'm a little bit sharper 
versus if I just go right to work, it might not be as enjoyable. It really does. You have to find the time of day that you're going to be most comfortable doing work, but you also want to make sure you're consistent with it too. Because if, if you're an athlete that likes to work out in the afternoons, but you have a happy hour or some type of social event in the afternoon prior to the workout, are you still going to complete the workout after you attend that social gathering? And those are the things you want to have, want to look at setting like a, a volume per week, for example, you know, it, it's one thing to say, yeah, I, I have 14 hours a week to train, but you want to make sure you're actually able to reasonably accommodate for that as well. You know, it's better to say, Hey, I, I only have six to eight hours a week to train and really hit those workouts and, and make it meaningful versus sit, tell your coach like, Hey, I, I have 14 hours a week to train, but only complete seven hours worth each week. Structuring one's day, I think we can have a whole podcast on that because there are many different approaches to that. You know, personally, I am better at sort of high cognitive load, sort of mental tasks in the morning. So I typically don't work out first thing. I wake up, have coffee, and I usually build some training plans or, or do other work related to, to working triathlete just because I'm way more efficient at doing that. And then when I lose steam, that's when I can typically move on to some type of workout. Now, I have a lot of flexibility in, in my schedule to, to do that. But if you have some control over your schedule, I think it is good to look at yourself and think about your things like your, your circadian rhythm and structure your life so that you can, you're optimized for, for any task at any given time and being efficient with it. Cause the other thing is like, we can be so much more efficient with, with our time if we just adhere to certain principles, like, okay, maybe I only check my email once a day, or I will always block out noon to one for my, for my run or I'll run over my lunch break. And, and most people who have typical office jobs can probably get away with running over their lunch. Everybody's different, obviously, but I know a lot of athletes I've worked with, if they focus on working out over their lunch break, we see some big gains and it's definitely possible to do that. And then it's efficient. You're not sacrificing family time at night. But the point is, if you identify a schedule that works for you and then stick to it, that consistency of structure is, is how you're consistent long-term. So if you have a routine that is the most important thing, honestly. Otherwise, you're going to lay around, you're going to scroll on your phone, you're going to procrastinate getting you know, the workout in. And then all of a sudden, it's you know, 5 p.m. and you're, you're starving, you're hungry, and you don't want to work out. That happens a lot. I do work with athletes who get in almost all of their training after 8 p.m. each day because they're not morning people. But they have the ability to be consistent with that. You know, They're not having a glass of wine with their dinner sacrifice that so that they can maybe sleep in in the morning or dive into other work. But I will say that the vast majority of triathletes should be working out in the morning, especially if you have a, a traditional nine to five job, because consistency is tough. If you only, if you promise yourself that you're going to work out later in the day, things come up. So if you protect that more, you always have that morning. So if you structure your life so that you're always getting in that workout in the morning. I, I do think that for you know 85% of people, that's the best way to to go about it. And and you mentioned making sacrifices too and and you have to look at it in, in a negative way. It could be like sacrificing, you know, alcohol, for example, you know, because once well I, I've noticed personally, you know, if you have you know a beer or a glass of wine, 
the motivation to complete a workout after that is going to be reduced quite a bit. Making sacrifices that are going to enable you to make decisions or at least create the habit will be super beneficial. Like maybe it might even be like sacrificing social media. For example, um, I catch myself scrolling through Instagram and you can scroll forever and it just, it's nonstop now. And if you set a, set a time stamp on it, like I'm only going to look at social media once a day, like you mentioned, checking your email, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be more efficient with your time and just not delay putting in the work you need. When it comes to things like scheduling or, or making small changes, I mean, that is, that, that's smart and, and developing those habits. Maybe a habit that you have is picking up your phone and scrolling through social media, or, or like you just said, just if you promise yourself that you're going to view it one day, all of a sudden little changes like that, maybe you can see big, larger, more drastic changes that kind of snowball from that. When it comes to to building habits, I always like to kind of think about how habits don't require you to think. One big reason that athletes sometimes who don't have a structure to their day, one reason they miss workouts often or, or they more tired because of because of their workout is because they're worrying about getting it in. So they're they're wasting a lot of cognitive energy thinking about the workout and maybe they're dreading it. So they keep procrastinating it. But if you have a, a habit of waking up and working out, or you have a, a set time every day where you are working out, you're reducing the cognitive load. So the path to actually getting that workout done is very clear and it's streamlined. It's it's the same reason that you hear certain executives, tech executives who, who wear the same thing. I think Steve Jobs, he always wore the, the black turtleneck. You know, the Facebook CEO, Zuckerberg, or she, he wears the same t-shirt, jeans every day. His excuse is it lowers his, basically his cognitive load. It's one less choice he has to make every day. And it's easy. And you can apply that concept to, to triathlon. And if that is, it's related to structuring your day so that you have a habit of working out at the same time and you just do it. <laughs> you don't have to waste energy or emotions trying, wondering if you're going to get the workout in each day. This is also a good reason to hire a coach because they, the cognitive load for structuring the plan is on them. All you have to do is execute. And if you execute, you're going to get faster and you're going to do well. So that's another way to lower the cognitive load and potentially enhance consistency or achieve your goals. Outsource some of the uh, the stress when it comes to achieving your goal to, to somebody else. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. You know, I, I recently spoke with an athlete that that's exactly what they said. They, they, they did not want to think about what they needed to do. They did not want to rely on searching the internet and looking for the most appropriate plan or, you know, what periodization model they may be going through. They just wanted someone to tell them what to do. That way they could just wake up, execute, and then have that accountability. So that's a good point right there. Yeah. And makes it it easy. You know, that, that behavior change, it's when we think about making tweaks to our lifestyle in pursuit of a goal, it's beneficial, kind of like, like you're saying, to, to make the path obvious. And, and this goes back to this concept of, of specificity with goals and measuring. In triathlon, obviously, the goal is to do well in a race. So that's the specific goal that, that you're chasing. So obviously a coach helps, 
making it very specific what you need to do each day. <laughs> it's right in training peaks. And throughout a macro cycle, that coach is going to help you measure progress. And, and also he could help with, or she could help with setting the timeline. Um, if we, we understand the trajectory of fitness, I mean, you and I, we've worked with hundreds of athletes in our triathlon coach careers. So we understand how certainly certain athletes are more gifted than others when it comes to improving fitness. But we've also worked with many athletes from couch to Ironman mm-hmm. or moderately good runner to front of the pack triathlete or great runner to front of the pack triathlete, whatever. So uh, we kind of understand that. We understand the specifics. We know how to measure. We understand if, if a goal is achievable for, for somebody. Uh, as coaches, our job is to uh, magnify one's ambitions and support them and empower them as they pursue their goal. However, you know, we also are realistic with our athletes. You know, we don't put in unachievable goals in, in training peaks. On race day, if an athlete's FTP is 300 watts, we're not saying that they should hold 300 watts for 70.3. <laughs> um, you know, we, we t- make tweaks and assist athletes in pursuit of their, their smart goals. It's also good to bounce goals off of another person too. Like I had a call earlier today with an athlete that, you know, their goal is to break five hours and a half Ironman, but they have mm-hmm. a limited amount of time to train. So it's also helping people understand whether their goals are either too low or too high, you know, it could go either direction. So they do want to be relevant to the person and it's also okay to reevaluate what your goals are too. You could be exceeding uh, your expectation quickly. So you might need to reset the goal, but Mm -hmm. also you might, something might come up in your life and you may be backtracked a little bit. And that's where you need to reassess and dive in a little bit deeper to see if you need to continue trying to execute that goal or, or reset another goal. Goals evolve and sometimes goals can be unique or atypical, you know, with certain athletes, Maybe if we're looking towards developing long-term and historically, maybe the athlete has botched a certain part of the race, the goal might be, all right, the one thing you have to worry about is negative splitting the run <laughs> this race or something else. And uh, so it isn't like triathlon goals need to be time-related or performance-related necessarily uh, with, a, with a number. You, know, you can have other unique goals also. But when it comes to annual planning, you do need, I think, some more high-level traditional goals for sure. But it also depends on what season of an athletic career one is in. An older athlete who has trained a lot it's very unlikely that we'll see huge, massive improvements, but everybody can, can always improve some aspect of their racing. So you have to get potentially creative with, with figuring out goals. Even a 1% gain year after year for a couple of years will add up to a lot of yep, time. For sure. Small tweaks, compound, definitely. I think that's it for the goal setting. Um, I hope everyone has a great 2022 season and year. It's going to be an exciting one for working triathlete and our crew. Uh, Can't wait to see what happens this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know that all of the working triathletes, we're we're figuring out specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely goals. So uh, definitely figure out your own smart goals this year. And if, if we coach you, 
email them to us <laughs> and uh, let's start a conversation. I know that most of us have discussed goals with our athletes already, but it's a process that that always evolves and, and should continue evolving. Thank you listeners for taking the time to listen to us today. If you could leave us a, a review on, on your favorite podcast platform. And if you need to get a hold of me, you can, you can reach me at Derek at working Reach me at Conrad at working